Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great, Edward. Uh, I was the Bulls aren't their uh, four game skid, but yeah, I'm very excited for our show today. We have a really great guest, and I'm ready to get it going. Yeah, uh, the Bulls have definitely been uh, struggling against the top teams. We had some fun moments this past week, but uh, the Milwaukee game was a, a definitely a tough loss. But yeah, we have a great guest here. Uh, on today on Bulls Gold and uh, joining us today he is the uh, public address announcer for the Chicago Bulls Tim Sinclair Tim thank you so much for joining us today guys thanks for having me my pleasure yeah I appreciate you taking the time to uh to uh chat with us of course anytime yeah absolutely Tim and it's just crazy because we're talking to you and it feels like we're kind of like at a Bulls game right now because your voice is, is like your voice just stays on. So I feel like I'm about to hear the uh, starting lineup introductions. Yeah, it, it takes a, a bit of energy to click into that, but my voice yeah. does carry whether you like it or not. So um, I had somebody on TikTok the other day goes, do you always talk in that fake voice? I'm like, well. If I always talk that way, it's not fake, is it? So <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> oh, is that something you like? Not not to derail, but is that something that uh, you train? Like your voice, like obviously cause with with training as you're going up, obviously you have a certain tone. But is that like after training, your voice stays a certain pitch, or how does that work? Like, well, the voice is a muscle, so the the more you use it, the stronger it gets. I, I will say everybody has a, a framework that they can build upon, whether that's athletically or mentally or emotionally. And uh, so my voice, I, I do believe I was born with a, a certain voice that others don't have. But then you do have to work on it and build it and train it and try to make sure you're doing things with it that people like and not things that they don't like. And so it, it's some of both, but it does take more work, I think, than probably most people would expect. Yeah. How did you get into so I mean obviously having like a, a great voice is such a natural thing but like how did you get into the uh, public address space like where did it all start that made you notice you really wanted to pursue this? Well, I, I'm sure everybody would guess that I was an architecture major in college. And so I spent uh, a few years doing that and was looking for a part-time job and happened to know somebody who was considerably older than me but he worked in radio and I said, "Hey, uh, can I perhaps, you know, come get a part-time job with you. And he said, do you want to be on the air? Like, well, okay, sure. So I tried it out and I was terrible, but I, I liked it. 
and um, quickly realized that maybe communication is what I was supposed to be doing and not architecture. Ultimately, I dropped out of school, jumped into radio full time, and I just thought I was going to be hosting radio shows for the bulk of my career, if not all of it. And it wasn't until about less than 15 years ago that someone said, you know what, you should try out to be a public address announcer at the University of Illinois, which I was living in Champaign at the time and still have a place there. Um, And I applied uh, just for, you know, whatever they would hire me for. And they didn't call uh, for like a year. And so I kind of forgot about it, didn't think much of it. And eventually they needed help at a baseball game and called. And I said, I'd be happy to come help. And again, I was terrible at that but also loved it and kept trying to do more and more. And eventually I got more opportunities to the point that, you know, five, six, seven years later, I went, maybe I can make this more than just a hobby. Uh, Most PA guys don't. In fact, I know of maybe two or three who've turned it into a full-time job. Uh, So I I feel very, very fortunate, but um, that's kind of how it all began. What is like some advice you would generally give to somebody about trying to get into this career, like getting into radio and get into announcing and basically in that line of profession? These three things go to anyone working in any profession anywhere, but I have definitely seen it in mind. You have to have ability, availability, and humility. Um, ability, you got to be good at what you do and you've got to work hard to get better. Availability, when asked to do the job that you're wanting to do, no matter what the level, you have to be available to do it and willing to sacrifice other things to make that happen. And then when you do the job, you have to be easy to work with. And especially in my line of work where people can be prima donnas, they can be sometimes difficult to handle. You don't want anybody to go, well, we would hire him, but I roll just because everybody knows what's coming through the door. And for me, like I'll help set up chairs. I'll help write scripts. I'll help do like, I was doing that at the all-star game a few years ago in Chicago, they were moving some stuff around and I was like, sure, I'll, you know, help with whatever I'm sitting here might as well. Um, and, and people who are willing to just go with the flow, do what they need to do and, and do so with humility, get a lot farther than those who don't, if their talent is equal. So those three things I think are important, literally work every opportunity you get. You never know who you're going to meet, who might know somebody else or who might need you for something else in the future. Go, oh, you know what? I worked with him. He was great. Those things will take you a long way. Yeah, I think that's interesting you say that. That's kind of goes in line with every job. Never say that's not in my job description. Like always be willing to help out and be a team player in a sense. So that's probably that probably translates in any career that you're trying to get into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the other duties as assigned as the right. always put in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? exactly. So, so what was it like when you first, when you got your first chance to call an NBA game uh, for the Pacers, you worked for the Pacers briefly before you worked uh, with the Chicago Bulls. What was that like? Yeah, it, that process was interesting because I had applied the year before and was a finalist and in fact got second. Um, and by the end of that season of the one I didn't get, they called back and said, are you interested in maybe taking over the job? And so it was kind of a large disappointment followed by, oh, my gosh, I might actually get to do this. 
And that was a year because of all of the other events they had at Bankers Life Fieldhouse at the time that there were no home preseason games for the Pacers. So typically I would have gotten my first opportunity to call an NBA lineup to sort of see the glitz and glamour that goes into an NBA game in a preseason way and sort of have a chance to practice like the team and everybody else. But in this case, it didn't work out that way. And so October 17th, 2018 was that first day. It was the home opener. It was a regular season game. I got there early for rehearsals. And I I remember kind of being just, there's so much going on and so many people doing so many different things. It was just hard to take all of that in. I, my part in it was special and fun, but I was such in this, work mode and absorb mode and try to take it all in that it wasn't until that night when I got home and actually watched the introductions that I truly got a sense of what it was like experientially. And um, I, I did say from that moment forward, if I ever don't find this amazing, I need to find something else to do because getting to sit center court, front row, introducing these guys um, quite often on national television that that's always going to be cool. And if it's not, then I'm not the right guy for the job anymore. <laughs> right. And you know, speaking of amazing, uh, you got really cool opportunities, a couple of cool opportunities. Um, one was being uh, able to participate in NBA 2K. Uh, that's a lot of times players like, you know, they get really excited about that. It's a little different when you're a pianist, but it's still a really cool opportunity and a fun experience. I'm sure you probably played the games. Uh, how was that experience like? And also you had the opportunity to go to the All-Star game and participate in those activities. Uh, what, what was it like for you to be able to do that? It's like a childhood dream of yours. Uh, how, how does How does it feel to be able to participate in stuff like that? It's funny. I've said this before, too. I didn't even know enough to dream about these kinds of things. Like I would say it's a dream come true, but it's not like something I ever laid in bed going, oh, my gosh, I want because it, it never even popped into my mind. Um, and, and even once I started doing NBA games for, for public address, I never would have imagined that I would have gotten to do NBA 2K because no PA guy ever had really other than a generic voice guy. Um and same thing with the all-star game. There are guys who've worked in the league for 30 years. who have never done an all-star game. And now I've done two. 2K was interesting because I've got two boys. They're 12 and 14 and they love 2K. They've played it since they were old enough to play video games. And so, you know, them learning that I was going to get to do the voice was probably equally as exciting for them as it was for me. I have played. I'm terrible. So I just <laughs> generally watch them play. Uh, And that experience, like for me, being in the game is great. And I know that's what everybody sees and hears uh, and what I hear the most about. But for me, it was getting to go see how it was put together, how the sausage was made. Right, I got to go to a studio in Los Angeles, work with the 2K crew, go through all these lines. And it took like six days, but it was so much fun just to be a part of that process. The process nobody sees that doesn't get, you know, those people don't get any love for all the work they put in, but I got to see and and be a part of. So that was cool. The all-star game is somewhat similar in that there are, if an NBA game has a million moving parts, 
an all-star game has a hundred million moving parts. It is like, it's the Super Bowl for the NBA. And there are so much going on and so many people who are very, very invested in putting that whole thing together. And, and to be a part of that two of the last three years has been really cool, especially the 75th anniversary thing that, uh, that we got to do this year in Cleveland. That was super cool. So the Bulls have had a, a really strong history of like, notable PA announcing with Tommy Edwards and Ray Clay and both of those guys are just absolute legends in what they do and it's always great that the Bulls have kind of like passed down this tradition of like kind of how they call games like especially with the starting lineup introduction and you do the same now with the the and now thing and you know the lights going out and the Alan Parsons like the Bulls have had so many different remixes of it but <laughs> did you ever get to like talk to to Tommy or Ray uh, after taking the job or while doing the job and kind of just just kind of kick it with them about some of the things that, you know, you guys can clearly, clearly relate about. It's always interesting taking over for a legend. And both of those guys are because you don't know. All right. How much do I have to keep? How much should I keep? What do I need to do? That's specifically me. And, you know, I, I think that's always going to be a work in progress. But so far. The response has been overwhelmingly positive, which is great. Uh, to answer your question, I have talked to both Tommy and Ray. Uh, Ray emailed me right after the news broke, I think before I'd ever done my first game. And so we chatted that way. Uh, I'm actually in the process of launching a new podcast of my own, hopefully this spring. Um, and one of those, I talk with both Tommy and Ray awesome. about their experiences, uh, what it used to be like, how they got the job, sort of the evolution of, of everything, where certain phrases came from, experiences they've had. And of course, I got to uh, add my own uh, in there as well, although I haven't been around nearly as long as they were. So uh, they've been fantastic. Um, it, it's it's a fairly tight fraternity of, of PA guys. There really you know, aren't that many. There's, uh, I think, 112 professional PA jobs in America. If you look at basketball, baseball, football, soccer, hockey, um, and, and I have three of them at the moment. Um, right. So it, there's, it's a small group, but it, it's been great to just talk with them and sort of, they don't offer advice because we kind of let each other do the things that we're going to do and that make us unique. But it is fun to hear what they've been through, what they've experienced, some of the things that are the same and, and some of the differences too. Speaking of the three jobs that you do have, and it was funny, I was looking at your tweet that uh, one day you like, well, I guess I, I don't have to worry about uh, not being busy because you have like every day something going on. Um, how is it like that juggling three different uh, teams that you announce for? And how, how is that something you prepare for? Is it, is it each, each uh, position that you approach differently or is it the same? Because uh, no, it doesn't really change for you. How does that work out for in, in that regards? Yeah, it's actually four because I do Illinois basketball as well. Okay, so I yeah. do have a bunch of bunch of things laying on top of each other. And there is a hierarchy. Like when I took the Bulls job, they knew that I had just been hired by the Bears. And so the Bears had said, we have to be your priority. And if we have a game you'll be there. And they knew I had a number of other irons in the fire. And so bears is kind of 
there's so few games, you know, eight or nine regular season games, a preseason game or two, and then playoffs and, you know, and other events maybe here or there throughout the year, but there aren't very many. And then the Bulls are next. And then we've got the fire and the University of Illinois basketball that fall in there too. And it kind of depends on the weight of the game. Is it a playoff game? Is it a championship game of some sort? And and then we kind of make decisions as to where I have to be if there are overlaps. Thankfully, there really aren't that many. And the fire and the bears playing on the same field really help because you can't have an overlap because they can't be both on the field at the same time. So, so that helps in terms of my preparation though, Every sport is different. I mean, thankfully, I'm not doing play-by-play, which those guys have to know stats and statistics and history and stories and be able to, you know, what they do is amazing. Uh, For me, I have to know the players. I have to know how to say their names. And then I have to be able to, in real time, communicate exactly what's happening on the court or the field. In soccer, that's really easy because there's very little to say. You've got just a few substitutions, probably just a few goals, and then a yellow card or red card if it pops up. Football is three and a half hours of nonstop talking. And basketball is kind of the same, although it's not nearly as long, and you only have to pay attention to 10 guys instead of 22 uh, at, at any one given time. So my preparation is essentially the same, but the execution is different, certainly, once you get to individual sports. Do you have like a favorite moment so far that you were proud of just being there for and calling when it happened, whether it's the Bulls, uh, Bears and Lion-Eye, like what moments stand out to you so far? There's a bunch of special moments. Any senior night with Illinois is special because I've sort of watched a kid grow up, you know, over four or five years and moving on to the next phase of their life, whether it's playing basketball or or doing something in the regular working world. Um, I would say, though, that and maybe this is just recency bias, but, you know, introducing the top 75 NBA players of all time at the All-Star Game um, on national television with the surprise of Michael Jordan at the very end. I, I honestly don't know how it's going to get better than that. Uh, I've said once in a lifetime experience many times throughout my career, and I'm saying it again with this, <laughs> I don't know that that's going to happen again. We'll see, but the talent per square foot in that building uh, was incredible. And getting to go one by one through these guys talk about their accomplishments, have them be recognized uh, is not one I'll ever forget for sure. How, how have you, how have you enjoyed the bowl season so far? Like what has like been a favorite moment of yours that that's maybe happened? Um, and then an uh, interesting thing that did happen, like the shot in mean, one game, one of the games, the shot clock apparently wasn't working and you had to like <laughs> count down with when there was 10 seconds and five seconds was how was that experience for you? Like, did you have to like remind yourself? Oh shoot, I gotta, I gotta start counting down now. Like, how did you? Did you ever like almost forget? Sometimes is because it's like a completely like a curveball for you. I would imagine coming into work and you're like, oh well, now I have to call, start counting down the shot clock. Yeah, for the first question, I would say just sort of seeing this team come together and all the surprises. I mean, I think everybody would say DeMar DeRozan has been a very pleasant surprise, although everyone knew he was good. I don't think uh, many were picking, you know, MVP race kind of good. Um, Io, you know, I I called 
all of his games in college. So to be able to do the exact same thing now on the pros and, and be excited, you know, I, I expected I would get to say his name, but probably for another team. So for me, that's been really special to continue to say from Chicago and to do the IO call that we developed at Illinois has been, has been great. The shot clock game. We found out about an hour before the game that there was something wrong with one of the shot clocks. They did not have time to take it off of the back of the backboard, bring it down, fix it, get it back up there. And so they said, um, and coaches can shoot, you know, you can, you have to put the ones in the corners. They brought those portable ones into the corners, but then coaches say, Hey, Hey, guys aren't used to looking there. Uh, can we have an audible reminder? And so they asked me at 10 seconds, say 10 and then count down five, four, three, two, one. And uh, so that was, that was my job for the entire game. It wasn't like they went out for a minute and a half and then we got it fixed. It was for the whole game. And it is hard because you're used to watching a game a certain way. And I'm used to paying attention to exactly where the ball is, who has it. So I know when it goes through, who scored, who got fouled, et cetera. But now I'm trying to look two places at once. And quite often there's somebody standing in front of the thing I'm supposed to look at, whether it's one of the guys sitting on the bench, whether it's an official or coach or whatever. So it, it is very, it's more difficult than most probably would would imagine because you're trying to do two fairly difficult things at the same time. Right. But I believe I only missed saying 10 one time over 48 minutes, which in the grand scheme of things, I will absolutely take. I'm a perfectionist, but uh, in, given the circumstances, I think that's acceptable. Yeah, I don't think I noticed you missing it either. Like I was like every every time the shot clock would get there, I'd like, oh, there's Tim counting down. <laughs> <laughs> I think they shot it at like eight or nine on that possession. So oh, okay. it didn't really matter. It was right about the time. And uh, so, yeah, thankfully, hopefully everybody else was like you and didn't notice. Yeah. You talked about how you got to call IO's games since uh, he was in college and just seeing him grow up. Like, what's it been like seeing him go from you know, he was second round pick a lot of people didn't think that he would you know even get to play as much this season but he's been in the starting lineup now even with these injuries and he's just been playing well so what's it been like just seeing him make that type of impact that he wasn't he was doing in college now for a really good team in the NBA well when he first came to Illinois obviously he was a highly touted recruit but still as most freshmen are they're just these little skinny not quite sure what they're doing, how to accept this new role that they have moving from, you know, high school to college is a big jump, especially when you're moving to a power five, you know, school. So it was, it was fun watching him grow up and I knew he would be a pro at a certain point. You could kind of tell, you can see in the college game, the guys who have that twitch or have that athleticism that just puts them in a new camp. And I, I really do think it was his coming back for his junior year, which people weren't quite sure for a while if he was going to do during the COVID year and seeing him hit a bunch of daggers um, near the end of games that you knew that you knew the guy was clutch. And so coming to the NBA, I, I knew the moment wouldn't likely be too big for him, but I certainly didn't expect that it would be that way so fast and I would have to imagine that he was disappointed about pick 28 or 29 when he's realizing, man, I, I don't think I'm going to go in the first round. But I also don't think looking back, he or his family would change a thing. Uh, the, the situation is so perfect playing in his hometown where his family can go to every game. 
and then being on a team with a couple of great mentors between Caruso and DeRozan, and then being on a team that whether it was COVID or through injuries allowed him to move into the starting lineup, you know, 15, 20 games into the season and get so much experience so fast. I, I don't know that the situation could have been better anywhere else in the NBA. And, you know, the fact that I got a courtside seat for it is just selfish on my part, but man, I love it. Yeah, definitely. His, his play, like I said, it's been like refreshing and it's really saved the bulls this season. Uh, when you, when you consider that, um, so speaking of the season, how do you, what, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the season as far as watching this team uh, as they're getting grinding out maybe a couple of months left before the regular season ends and then again heading into the playoffs um, after a five-year playoff route, uh, drought? Uh, what are you looking forward to to see happen as, as like I said, the season gets uh, wrapped up? I would imagine, like everybody else, I'm looking forward to seeing the whole team play at the same time. It, right. it hasn't happened at all because when Patrick Williams played those first five games, Kobe White was hurt. He had the shoulder injury and he wasn't playing. So to have everybody on the floor at the same time, which I know everyone is hopeful will happen, I can't wait to see how that comes together. And I know it's going to take time again to to re-gel after people have been gone. But you start going through the roster and if you count everybody as healthy you start looking at some players who probably won't get playing time and you're like whoa those those are some quality guys who are probably going to be sitting the bench because there's just it's just so solid in front of them so for me I think you know weathering the storm in the meantime which they feels like they've had to do all season and then Ideally, with, you know, 10 or 12 games to go before the playoffs, starting to get these guys back and see what they can do. That that excites me a lot. Man, I thought you were going to say for sure, uh, just being in that NBA playoff environment at the United Center. I mean, that the crowds just stay for every team. They definitely take up a notch. But man, in Chicago, it definitely feels like like the United Center just just comes unglued for those games. And there's just been so many special moments that have happened there and we've had so many special calls. Uh, what do you have anybody who you listen to or watch growing up that kind of like really inspires you in terms of whether it was a PA guy or was a play by play guy, but anybody that kind of like inspires you when you were starting to get into all of this? Um, I remember I grew up in Detroit. So a lot of my early memories are from sportscasters and play-by-play guys and PA guys from Detroit. Um, with with the Detroit Tigers, Ernie Harwell, uh, he's passed away now, but I remember listening to him and he was just, he was always Ernie. He was very personable. He was, uh, and I've, I actually had the fortune to meet him uh, once a number of years ago, and he was the exact guy in person as he was on the radio. And and to me, that off the authenticity piece of what I do, I think is important. Uh, and, and it might sound odd, but some, some guys are always at 11. Like they're just always loud. They're always doing the same thing, the same way, the same volume, regardless of situation. And I think, you know, people like Ernie taught me to, to be myself and there is, you know, if if I'm trying to pretend that the arena is excited when you're down 25 and we hit a three, that comes across as disingenuous because nobody in that building's happy. I mean, 
it's not that I'm sad, but I'm not giving it the same as I would in a, in a tight game when we hit a big shot. And, and some people don't do that. And, you know, that's their choice. But for me, I think that authenticity piece is really important. Uh, George Blaha still does play by play for the Pistons. He did when I was a kid and I'm 43. Uh, I remember my dad and I in the uh, driveway and my dad would be doing this high glass are good. Like as we were playing, he would just call out George's calls. And while I don't pattern myself off of him, we don't really do the same job. Um, I have had a chance to introduce my dad to George and take a picture together and talk about some of those memories. And and those are the fun things about, you know, getting to do this job now and, and interact with some of the people that you listened to growing up who are still doing it. And um, obviously, Ray Clay and the Jordan era, I, I remember that. I, I didn't ever dream that I would be doing that job. That would have just been foolishness to me at the time. But I clearly remember you know, every single one of those playoff games throughout those runs. So I I'm, imagine you were a Pistons fan growing up uh, as a kid, right? Up through like sixth or seventh grade, we moved to Illinois when I was just before my sixth grade year. And so that was, and it was perfect timing too, because I, we moved in 89. Okay. And so the Pistons just hit their, you had, we're starting their two year run and then the Bulls took over. And so it would have appeared that I was a fair weather fan, though. I'd like to believe that I would have made that transition anyway, because of where I was living. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, do you, so uh, do you have any rooting interest in, in Detroit anymore? Like you've been like, not, not the Pistons necessarily, but like the Tigers or like, if you're a hockey fan, the Red Wings, the Lions and so forth. I mean, if, if I had to choose second favorites, a lot of them would be Detroit teams. Obviously, when I work for the Bears and the Bulls, those are far and away my number ones. And right. you know, being a Lions fan is just a, a feels like a death <laughs> sentence most of the time. So, <laughs> right. um, I, and I follow baseball, but usually just in the playoffs. I'm a I'm a White Sox and Cubs guy, so I, I don't pay as much attention to them. But there is a soft spot in my heart for sure. Excellent. And he, uh, you work with a lot of like great people in the Chicago Bulls organization, especially during the games. Any fun stories that kind of stick out to you in terms of like whether it was like pregame or postgame that, you know, the fans don't really get to see? So last year was there were no fans in the building at all. Um, and the last four games, I think we had four or 5,000 people. But because of COVID protocols, there were just a few of us down at the table. And everybody else, the broadcasters and, and literally anyone else who worked in the arena had to be up away from the court. So I didn't get a chance to meet anyone. And I knew of Adam and Stacy. Um, Chuck and I have a relationship that goes back a long time. Uh, and that that's a story for another day, probably. But I really hadn't had a chance to to, to talk to any of them. First game this year when everybody's allowed to be back in the same spot, I'm getting ready to do a read and I get this, you know, hug from behind me and I'm like, who is this? <laughs> and I turn around and it's Adam Amin. And it was just this. We knew each other. We hadn't had a chance to really talk or communicate or, or see each other in person. And that's just the kind of human he is. Uh, he We're like like we've been best friends for years, even though that was our first time meeting. And, and that just sort of, for me, and he's new too, kind of solidified us as, you know, we're here, we're getting to do this. This is so much fun. You know, let, let's hit the ground running. So that's one. Um, 
then Rosie, uh, Bob Rosenberg is his name. He's been the official scorer for the Bulls since the day the franchise started in 67, 66, whatever that is. And so, man, that guy, he's seen it all literally. And he, so he's told me stories about watching Wilt Chamberlain play and like all sorts of things to just blow my mind because he's been around for so long and he's in his early eighties now. And so uh, I'm, I keep trying to poke him for, for other bits of information from, from time to time. And, um, you know, having sitting down and having dinner with Bill Wennington, like we probably six, seven times this year, we've just sat and talked basketball and I, I play it cool, but then I leave and I go, like, this is insane. Like, how am I getting to do this? So uh, I could probably sit here for hours telling you stories like that, but uh, it's been a really cool experience. And speaking of experience, do you have like a favorite memorable, like a favorite or memorable announcing, like that announcing experience that you did, like that you got to announce and not necessarily at, at the professional, like uh, sports level, like NBA or, or the NFL, but even like just throughout your career, even if it was at Illini, with the Illini, uh, it's something that sticks out to you that was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I got to announce this moment and uh, this one will forever stick with me couple of them. One was in, um, there was the soccer tournament that, that rolled through, uh, North America where Argentina played at soldier field. And so I got to introduce Lionel Messi when he came out on the field, um, and he had been hurt. And so their place was full of people hoping to see Messi, but he didn't start. And so it was all this, Oh no, you know, did we just spend all this money to go to this game and not get right. to see this guy play? And he came in in the 60th minute, and I still have the auto recording somewhere of, of introducing him. The place, of course, goes bonkers. And in the next 25 minutes, he proceeds to score three goals and win the game for Argentina. And it was unbelievable. Um, you know, he's arguably the best player in the world, he and Ronaldo. And so getting to do that was really cool. Uh, I announced Tom Brady to a stadium full of no one when the bucks came and played the bears. <laughs> and then I got to do Michael Jordan this year. So I feel like I've done three of the greatest ever in their individual sports, which is fun, but some of the smaller stuff, like the naming of Lou Henson court at Illinois and the opening of state farm center, when that building had that $180 million renovation. And so the first time people saw it, they did the ceremony of, uh, you know, sort of cutting the ribbon and, and welcoming people there. Those are, those are things that my voice will be tied to uh, forever. Uh, IO's Jersey going to the rafters a couple of months ago, all those things that now I'm sort of tied to in some way, shape or form have been really special. So when, when you're not calling any game, when you get some downtime, I know you had a busy schedule, but when you get some downtime, like what are some things you normally like to do? I mean, I know you have to rest your voice up a little bit, so it can't be anything that's, <laughs> that has you talking too much. But what do you usually just like to do outside of uh, doing PA? Well, that's been the age old question of I, I feel like I have paid hobbies, right? So <laughs> my jobs are just so fun, but they're they're, they're still jobs. I get a paycheck, but they do feel like rest and relaxation to me most of the time. Um, I, I'm not afraid of, uh, you know, curling up on the couch and binging something on Netflix. I do when the weather's nicer, enjoy getting out and taking a walk along the lakefront or um, just hanging out. I've got two boys. My girlfriend's got two little girls. And so we'll try to get out and uh, do something there. But but the weather needs to cooperate first before I get too excited about that kind of stuff. Uh, I enjoy photography and design 
design and some things like that. So if I have a chance to, you know, walk through downtown and, and take pictures or, or whatever, I'll, I'll do that too. But a lot of my life involves trying to communicate some sort of feeling with some sort of audience. I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of voiceover work, um, some writing. So it's a wide variety of things. I say I work 1099 to five and uh, that that's really true because it's just a lot of little bits and pieces here and there that make up, you know, one, one big job. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Then this has been a really blast. This has been a blast talking to you about all these things. Uh, I, I would ask if there was a, you know, everyone knows who you are and, you know, they know where to find you on social media, but could you tell us more about, like you said, you have a podcast that you're uh, starting soon. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and when uh, people can look forward to seeing that? Yeah, I'll be blasting that on social media soon. Uh, it's called The Call with Tim Sinclair. And, and the idea is we are going to some of the most famous calls or sounds in sports and talking with the people who did them. Uh, the beauty of this is that, you know, sportscasters, broadcasters are great storytellers. So some people are interesting guests, but don't know how to share their story in an entertaining or engaging way. But but these guys and girls that's their job. And so uh, Pat Hughes talking about the Cubs winning the World Series, Brian Barnhart, the uh, Illinois, Arizona 2005 NCAA tournament comeback. Uh, we've got Tommy and Ray and me all talking about the Chicago Bulls intro. Uh, Jeff Joniak is doing one on Devin Hester running back the opening kickoff in, in the Super Bowl. Kobe scoring 81, kick six, like there's we're doing all of them. And it's a documentary style, so it's very post-production a lot of clips and music and, and interviews. And I think it'll be really interesting. So uh, that's coming out a, a very shortened version of the series. Three of the episodes that are about half the length of the regular ones will be out in uh, late March or early April. And then a full 10 season or 10 episode season will be out in uh, in the fall. And uh, it, it'll be available everywhere. And you can follow me at Tim Jason Claire on literally every social media platform uh, and uh, and get all the info there. That sounds like a very yeah, unique podcast. I don't think there's any podcast out there like that. So that'll be a definitely a really fun listen, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I have unique access to these guys. I'm a storyteller. I'm an audio editor. I've, I've worked in radio all my life. So I'm trying to combine all of the things that I'm good at or have unique access to and put them into one one podcast. And uh, so far, I've been I still get goosebumps listening back to the ones that I've already edited. So I feel <laughs> right. like if that's happening, that hopefully other people will as well. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, those sound great. I'm definitely can't wait to listen to that. So uh, definitely make sure to check that out. Thank you so much, Tim, again, for uh, dropping by Bulls Gold and talking to us. This has been a, a great pleasure. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, yeah, just thanks to Tim for joining us. It's a pleasure to, you know, be able to talk to him and get his uh his story and how he is uh, you know, in his career and different uh things that he's experienced. So that's a lot of fun. Um hopefully uh I, I don't as far as the Bulls are concerned, I don't see a win coming up against the Sixers. Me personally, it's gonna be tough. Uh we'll see how what happens. Just how you just gotta get healthy. Um, I know, I know that this, this group is, um, basically they're, they're a team that needs every single one of their parts. Like they need all the, uh, to pull the, the rope together. Um, they don't have that transcended like top five guy 
So they can't rely on necessarily. I mean, I mean, Demar has been great in closing situations. He's done a lot of things. Zach obviously is going through injuries, but he's been great in his individual performances too. But they're they're not, you know, they're not your Lucas. They're not your um, Giannis, Giannis's and so forth. So it's hard to kind of for this team uh, when you're missing two guys like Caruso and Lonzo to make up for that. A deficit, and a lot of times I've co- compared Caruso and Lonzo to being the Demar and Zach of the defense. So mm-hmm. that kind of puts into perspective too why the defensive struggles have been happening as well. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to. I'm hoping, like I said, we can get Caruso back soon. Mm-hmm. I think that'll make a huge difference in itself, and then hopefully we can get Lonzo back uh, shortly after that. And obviously Pat uh, will come in, and yeah, just be healthy for the first time ever going into the playoffs would be an, uh, an ideal situation too. feels like a first time ever. Cause I can't remember even if, even during the Rose years, we had like little, you know, injuries that we had to like worry about going into each playoffs. I felt, I felt like, so yeah, yeah just those are some of the last things that I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely hoping that we get to see this team at full strength soon. And that, you know, the schedule is tough. I think we'll be able to get some wins hopefully uh, right, right yeah hopefully just the national tv stuff is just this uh it's tough because they don't get to see us any other time so when they see us and we're losing on national tv to a really good team it's just unfortunate so then it creates the whole narrative that the bulls can't beat anyone who's really really good and all that right. stuff but again hopefully we get to see the team at full strength soon and uh hopefully some good times are ahead and we can bounce back to the form we were at earlier in the season but uh that concludes today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can check out our past shows right here on the Barroom Network, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. So for Slings for the Wild, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will see you later.